Hey friends, it's Coley. I am so happy that you are here hanging out with me for another episode of Still With You. I love this space. It is so much fun to be supported by friends and talk about the stuff that matters. And today on the show, I am speaking with two friends, one that you already know and one that you're going to meet that are doing hard work that is changing real lives. So today on the show, we're talking about human trafficking. And as I mentioned, it is a cause that is near and dear to my heart, one that I've learned a lot about since moving to the Gulf Coast. I share this same experience with our friends that we are speaking with today. Raised in rural Ohio, Sarah LaFevers grew up free and full of joy. She adored her family, friends, even the brassy cornfields that filled her hometown. But once she learned about human trafficking, humans selling humans, everything changed. Founded in 2018, the Nisi Project is an organization that stands in the gap, serving as an immediate care option for survivors of human trafficking. Once a survivor is rescued, there is an in-between time of partnering them with a facility that can offer them healing and support along their journey. And Nisi is there to step in and bridge the gap between a survivor's rescue and restoration. Currently, Sarah serves as the president and CEO of the Nisi Project and is excited to be a part of opening the first short-term immediate care home for human trafficking survivors in Pensacola, Florida. From justice-driven dreams to a china cabinet for sale on Marketplace, you will not believe the God-ordained steps that led her to this moment. On this episode of Still With You, I have the honor of speaking with Sarah and one of my favorite friends and returning voice to the show, stylist and advocate Kelsey Hill. It was so much fun to hear their heart for the mission of the Nisi Project and announce some huge news. All of the deeds and more are shared within the content of this episode. The Nisi Project is hosting an event on May 8th called Fashion for More. It is a fashion show coming to Pensacola. I am so excited to attend and be a part of this event. If you want to go ahead and grab your ticket, you can find the link for this in the show notes. Sarah and Kelsey are going to give us the skinny of all that's happening with this event. I could not be more excited and would love for you to be a part. And I do want to share that I understand that this is a topic that is very heavy and can often be triggering for those who have experiences within the realm of human trafficking, whether it's as a survivor, walking alongside a friend who's experienced this, or even someone who's been a part of the rescue process. This episode might not be for everyone, but I do hope that you know that you are supported, you're loved, and there is a link within the show notes that is the natural hotline for human trafficking. I believe that it's better to be certain than to be sorry. So please never feel afraid to use the resources that are available to you to help someone in need. I'm so grateful for friends who are leading this charge like Sarah and Kelsey. This conversation is one that I'm really proud of and I'm so ready for y'all to hear it. It is my honor to welcome to Still With You stylist and advocate Kelsey Hill along with president and CEO of the Nisi Project, Sarah LaFevers. Thank you so much oh, for doing I'm so this. Excited. I honestly am shocked that we have not met before. I know I am too. Because I look at mutual friends like Kelsey, which welcome back to Still With You. And Thank you yeah, so much. And thanks for connecting with Sarah. Let's learn a little bit about you because okay. our friends can go back and hear some of Kelsey's story. Episode 31, highly recommend. Are you originally from Pensacola? Like I am not. I grew up in farm country just north of Columbus, Ohio. Born in Indianapolis, but um, when I was five, my family moved over there. Grew up just running through cornfields and riding my bike you know that was really all that there was to do that is absolutely my story <laughs> yeah. like middle of Missouri yeah, yeah. and I'm just the same with you too mm-hmm. right yeah. Michigan yes I grew up in northern Indiana but we have a farm in southern Michigan what brought you to Pensacola college so I grew up in a very conservative Christian sheltered environment so I knew like Christian college was like the only option at that point and so I wanted though to study criminal justice like that was always something that was like burning inside of me why I don't know I've always kind of been what I felt like a like a justice seeker or freedom fighter just like even on the playground like my sister like we were just talking this last week when she was visiting about the principal's daughter like told her to get off the swing and so she did because she was like so submissive and I like went up to my principal's daughter and punched her in the face and knocked her off the swing because I just like felt that that was not right wow that like my sister had to give up her seat on the swing yeah 
just because someone had a certain status. And so I totally just, reasonable. Yeah. But, yeah. I, yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> like, I don't recommend that. That's not how I would, you know, reasonable, but wrong response. Maybe, all yeah. situations. <laughs> now I was eight. So there was a little bit of maturity. Hopefully that's taken place in my life since then. Yeah. And so I wanted to study criminal justice and I knew I wanted to work somehow with victims. I was obsessed with, you know, the common show SVU. Everybody knows that shows, you know, all 25, ep, you know, seasons. Yes. I really wanted to go that route. So I came down to Florida to go to Pensacola Christian College yeah. and study criminal justice and also public administration. But I had been involved with politics since I was nine years old. Um, I would make phone calls for politicians with my dad. He was really into it. I'd go to all kinds of political meetings and rallies and that kind of thing. And so I was really, when I got here, I got really involved with the political scene here. Mm-hmm. Got plugged in uh, and was an intern during the 2012 election and made okay. some contacts at that point, which got me to stay here and take a job with the U.S. congressman here in this area. I've never really spoke with someone who, at such a young age developed that interest that quickly did it feel rare among your oh, peers that was so weird people knew I wanted to run for president when I was like in junior high and high school and like then I thought it was so cool that people like recognized me as wanting to be a senator or president one day but now I look back and I was like those like my friends were so nice to me because I was so weird and like you know everybody's talking about like fun things and going out and movies and you know Mm-hmm. magazines and stuff and I was like yes did you guys hear this is going on in current events but you should be president yeah, yeah maybe I'm, one day honestly. <laughs> our new POTUS oh yeah absolutely <laughs> I'm just thinking though not to get like on a super deep level but when you move into that kind of field that early in your life and you expose yourself to those kind of issues and sorry like we're just diving in yeah. but like do you feel like that might have cost you part of your innocence and how you see the world. You know, once you know that you know that you know something and you can see how it could be better, do you feel like that changed maybe how you see the world? Totally agree with what you just said. I don't think that took place in my life until I was in college because I was in such a sheltered environment that even though I was involved in political things, my dad did a very, what he felt like was a very good job at keeping me protected protected on certain things and certain issues. My Christian values and my morals and those things helped me develop my political platform maybe a little bit earlier than for most that just aren't thinking about it at that age. I don't think it was until college when I really found out what the world was like. Justice is such an important conversation. Like, you both are moms. And so, like, sometimes I think even though I don't have kids, how do you talk about things that are really important beginning at such a young age? It usually starts with my family or my kids. That's usually, you know, what drives me as a human being is protecting my children and providing a safe place for them, but also helping them to understand the realities of the world and being able to allow them to make good decisions, but also be able to plant those seeds to protect them in our Mm -hmm. own ways as, you know, we try to do. And you do such a good job. I mean, I have a three-year-old boy. She has three boys who are older, and they're all so sweet and so level-headed, and I feel like I have such a good head on their shoulders because of, like, what you've done to protect them, but also to help them understand like what the world's like and for Chase who's three he is obsessed with superheroes so mm-hmm. to him justice is already a thing because oh, yeah. oh that's so good like that's a good like, model yeah. like last night he like would not put on his pajama top because he wanted to be the Hulk for like <laughs> 30 minutes past his bedtime and yes. I was like you know what go for it you know but just teaching him like little things this may not be fair but this is how the world works unfortunately and yeah. you know just using things at their level at their age yeah. the way they're, they're able to process things to help them understand but not to like ruin their outlook on yes the world too soon i guess mm, yeah because you, know, you do want to shelter them to a point but you also want them to not be super surprised as i would say i was when i'm 19 years old and didn't quite realize that's how that yeah. worked mm. you know and i think you know my favorite phrase as a parent is that we're all winging in this thing yeah <laughs> and so, so there's no right or wrong way to parent i think at the end of the day it's just it's a fine lane that we travel parenting at least in our household because I want my children to not feel sheltered to some things that are going on in the world because we live in a culture now that's unlike any other time that we've lived in Mm -hmm. and I think it's in their best interest to expose them 
to things that are happening because I don't want them to find themselves in a place of insecurity later on. They were shocked to find out these realities and then realize that they'd been hidden from them for so long. So Mm. it's a dangerous place sometimes to to find yourself in these lanes, but at the same time being an honest parent and a loving parent, trying to be a godly parent all at the same time. I think they see the best parts of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I see them holding those fundamentals down when it matters. Yeah. Tell me, like, you're 20 years old. You're kind of shell-shocked in this new lane that you felt called to. Mm -hmm. What was your next step? Yeah, so really it was my junior year of college. We were taking a victim's course for our criminal justice major, and we were talking a little bit about prostitution and sex trafficking and that kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. I remember the conversation coming up, but, like, what constitutes a prostitute? At what point is it their choice or is are they being forced? What does that look like? Mm-hmm. And of course everybody references the movie Taken and you know that depicts that global view of trafficking being, you know, traveling to th- third world country or somewhere, you know, and, and being taken and then sold in, on the black market, which that absolutely happens, but it doesn't always happen that way. Trying to work through those scenarios and, and come up with how do we help people when we don't know what they've been through. So there was a prayer vigil actually being held over in Milton at a church our class was talking about. It. And so some of us went and it was for victims of human trafficking. And so th- we thought it would be a great opportunity to go and hear about maybe some stories and talk to some survivors or whatnot. So we went, um, myself and a friend, and honestly, it was nothing like I expected. And I always contribute that night to being the night where my eyes were truly open to human trafficking. That is the night that I kind of look back in my life where I was specifically called by God to fight this fight, this very specific fight, because it was one of those things, like you said, that once you know what certain things that people go through, like how can you then turn your head and look away and choose not to know, not to believe, even though you know that that's happening. I realized that not everybody can be able to dedicate their life to a certain cause or a certain fight, but there are layers of every cause and of every fight that people can get involved in. Yes. And so every person has to figure out for themselves what that looks like for them when they feel called to something. Mm -hmm. And so for me being a college student, not knowing what my next step was, you know, what job I was going to have after college all I wanted to do was learn more so that's what I started doing and of course that phrase by William Wilberforce um, which is actually funny and I want to bring this up because when I was younger as a teenager one of my favorite movies was Amazing Grace which was about the abolition Mm -hmm. of the sex trade Mm -hmm. and so William Wilberforce and I'm a huge history nerd was someone that I always like look to as like a hero and that kind of thing and that night they used a, a phrase by him you can look away but you can never again say that you did not know can you really go and live a comfy life you know with a beautiful family and a beautiful home and, you know, enjoy all of the things that we enjoy here in America, but also know that there are 40 million people that have the exact opposite of that. Can you really sleep at night knowing that? And so that just kind of stayed on my mind. And so as I learned more and so forth and, you know, God opened up the opportunity for me to get involved in politics as a career, but I didn't want to stop that journey on working with victims of sex trafficking. So I just got plugged in with what was going on locally after I finished college. And so at that time was A21 Pensacola. And yeah. we were doing the Walk for Freedom. And so I got involved with that and with Alicia and with Jenna and um, met so many people from there and also with um, class kids and called to rescue and just trying to do what I could where I could. Through my job with the congressman, you know, he knew of this interest that I had. And so he allowed me opportunities to kind of get all of the anti-trafficking organizations in in our district together to talk about what's going on. How can we help from a federal perspective? We Mm -hmm. had meetings with law enforcement. We had the United States Institute Against Human Trafficking come and work with us on a plan with our, with the Circuit One Task Force. And so I started being able to do some of that in my work life Mm -hmm. and my personal life. And I knew and I and I truly believe when your work life and your passion collide, like you're right where you're supposed to be. So like Mm -hmm. I knew that that was kind of evolving and I love that. You know, I transferred, you know, with the chamber and so forth and still, you know, working with the local organizations. And so now chairing the task force and then working for the chamber, like I really felt fulfilled. And then Nisi kind of just fell out of the sky and mm. I kind of hit me in the face and it's like, God, what 
are you doing? Like, I don't know why. I don't feel like I have time for this. In fact, the story behind how Nisi became, well, I'll say mine, but I was given the opportunity to take over yeah. Nisi. Yeah. It's kind of like a, a really random fact. And it honestly, what would have happened if it weren't for like the whole COVID experience and everything that happened last year? Super God ordained. Um, yeah, super God ordained. Well, so. let's jump into it if you're okay. cool yeah. with it. I know I've been talking for a while, so no. let me take a breath and see if she wants no, me to keep is, going. No, this is <laughs> so. absolutely perfect. Okay. Um, so let's start first by explaining what Nisi is, yeah. if you don't mind. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So Nisi started in the lives of Bobby and Jolyn Moffitt. Okay. Um, Bobby is a pastor here in Pensacola, but he also has some other uh, nonprofits. And they really got burdened for sex trafficking victims from a missionary that came through their church. And so they wanted to put their knowledge to action and started a 501c3 to be a fundraising and awareness arm for already existing aftercare services. So aftercare services are those long-term housing solutions for victims to go after they've been rescued from their sex trafficking experience to be able to find restoration, get their lives back on track, get mm. some clarity. Would that be what our friends also know as like a safe house? Yes, too? Okay. exactly. A uh, safe house would constitute an aftercare service. And so so they wanted to, to support the ones that already existed. And so they, through a series of different avenues, raised hundreds of thousands of dollars and were able to work with aftercare services in Ukraine and in Cambodia and in the Philippines mm-hmm. and, of course, also here in the United States. And so developed some relationships with them. And so with everything they had going in their lives, Nisi just kind of started to to fade a little bit so they just wanted to kind of just put a pause to it and just seek God and seek what the next steps were going to be for the organization but they felt like that maybe it was time for them to pursue their other opportunities and and let Nisi go to someone else that could take it to the next level. Here I am and I just put together my cute little homemade office after being told I can't come back to work because of COVID. Uh, you know, I tried to that very last moment. And so my so timeline 2020 timeline, for 2020, everyone. Yes. Sorry. Okay. 2020. And Nisi um, became an organization in 2018. So I guess that's helpful to know. So, so two fairly years new stuff. Yeah, okay. So fairly new. And so 2020 happens, COVID. So I'm working my day job, you know, doing everything from home. My husband and I had just purchased our first home. So we're remodeling it. So I had this little nook, a little corner, and I was like, you know, the previous owners of the house had left some furniture. Um, they were elderly couples, so they had left some furniture. I was like, I'm going to throw this up on Facebook Marketplace real quick and then get back to work. Posted it up there, and then Jolyn messaged me and said, hey, I'm really interested in this furniture. I, at this point, have no idea who she is. Let me back up and say this. So when working with the task force, like, I had worked with Bobby several times. Okay. So I knew of Nisi. I knew of what they had done and mm-hmm. what, they, what the work that they had contributed to. And also knew that they had taken a pause. Right. I was not familiar with Jolyn. So when she messaged me, I was like, okay, cool. Come by, see it. So she comes by and she was like, I know you. And I was like, oh, really? You know, cool. <laughs> you know? I was going to say, you know everyone. I, I, I don't like, know. But she was like, yeah, um, my husband's Bobby Moffat with Nisi Worldwide. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Hey, how are you guys? How's it going? Like, what's going on with the organization? Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, honestly, like, we've taken a hard pause. We haven't really done anything in the last six months. And we can't find someone that we feel like God wants us to take over the organization. We're probably just going to shut it down because mm. we just don't have the capacity. And I was like, don't do that. I was like, please don't do that. That. Really, that immediately like, you felt that was my to say first. That? Yeah, and okay. I'm not normally someone to give people like advice that's not asked for, especially like not people I don't really know. Okay. But I was just like, no, don't do that. And she was like, oh, okay. And my <laughs> thought process was, is, you know, anybody who's tried to start a nonprofit knows starting a 501c3 can be a laborious process. And so I've heard, yeah, it's just like. This 501c3 started and has a great mission. It's already made an impact. They have 10,000 followers on social media. Like, I mean, they really, like, God just started blessing me, see, right off the bat. For me, I was like, no, we need you. Like, don't go away. And my husband's in the kitchen hanging a light fixture at the same time this conversation's happening. So she leaves and she's like, we'll come back later and pick it up. And so they left and my husband was like, are you going to tell her you want it? And I'm like, no, like, I don't want it. I just don't want them to, like, do away with it. And he's like, what do you mean you don't want it? And my husband, let me tell you, like, my husband grounds me. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's the opposite of me. He's introverted. And, like, I say yes to everything. And, like, so him telling me to say yes to something else, I was like, this is really weird. Like, 
we just had this conversation. Like, we're going to start stepping back at things. And, you know, so he was like, well, just, you know, let's see how it goes with Bobby tonight when he picks up the furniture. So Bobby comes and we talk more about it. Long story short, we end up having a series of meetings. You know, my husband and I, Bobby and my pastor. Are you still saying no at this point? Yeah, I totally say no. Like, totally like, okay, God. At this point, I had convinced my pastor to have it come under our church as a ministry. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, I was like, (laughs) I called my pastor and I was like, I've got this opportunity for you, for us, like, whatever. And I was like, it can be a ministry of our church and this is how it would work. And he was like, I kind of feel like if this is going to happen, it needs to be like a you thing, not like Mm -hmm. an us thing. And I was like, I don't know, just come to the meeting. So he came to the meeting and two and a half hours later, it was like, evident that I didn't know where we were going to go with it but honestly Bobby looked at me and he said I don't care what you do with the organization what you call it what the branding looks like what the mission is I just know that these people need help and I Mm. feel like you're the one to help them and so I was like I can say yes to that I can say yes to a clean canvas and let God kind of show us from there Wow. so I did with COVID I feel like COVID was a blessing to Nisi in that it allowed us to not have that pressure of go 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 like get it back up it was like let's step back and like really evaluate what the need is not just for like Pensacola but like worldwide because it was Nisi worldwide and they had done work internationally we participated in some sting operations in a few different states the most impactful for me was out in Los Angeles because Mm. out there trafficking is so overt and out there on the streets in front of your eyes minors hardly dressed in anything being sold every 15 minutes in and out of cars you know what I mean and so like it was just nothing like I had ever seen in my life and so that was really impactful for me and we also helped with some search and rescue operations and did some training with some search and rescue teams and then also just tried to create a network of aftercare services and so what we ended up identifying is that you know you've got law enforcement and sting operations and search and rescue teams working to rescue these victims out of these situations and you have aftercare services working to help rehabilitate them and get them reintegrated back into society but there's nothing really in the middle between the time they're rescued to the time they arrive in aftercare service is almost like they're expected to get there on their own as like a recommendation and that is not enough and you know we look at the survival rate it's estimated that one percent of survivors survive their sex trafficking experience one percent one percent and that means physically you know it's estimated that after someone is rescued that they have their lifespan is seven years because of all of the physical trauma that they've endured i did not know that yeah and also, you know, you look at a lot of the victims when they're rescued, when you look at a two-night hotel voucher or you're taken back to your family that may have been the culprits in your trafficking experience or may have just not been there to really care or or identify the situation or whatnot, you don't really have a lot of hope in those situations. For you, you're just trying to figure out how you're going to survive mm-hmm. the rest of your life. A lot of the survivors who are rescued end up going back to their trafficker or back to survival sex, which is just... How having sex to stay alive, you know, mm-hmm. and, and having your needs met, your immediate needs. And so through all of that and through conversations with national partners and state partners and churches and law enforcement, we really wanted to bridge that gap between the time they're rescued to the time that they arrive at an aftercare facility. From there kind of came our mission and we were like, in three to five years, it would be phenomenal to have a place where victims could go. It's just short term, one to seven days. And we decided on that seven days around Originally, we were thinking 48 hours, but we realized that sometimes there needs to be a detox process that takes place Mm -hmm. because a lot of aftercare services won't accept victims if they have a current substance addiction problem or so forth. So we want to make sure that they're able to qualify for those aftercare services. So if there needs to be a detox take place, we have that time frame to work with. Whereas without Nisi, there is no time to detox. Like It's like rescue on your own own and then go to long-term, which is not possible or very, very hard, right? Very, very hard. Yeah. yeah, it's not a sustainable option. It would be cool to provide that place where they could go for one to seven days. Not only do they get safety and their immediate needs met, so they have food, they have a bed, they can sleep in, they have some activities they can do. We want to meet them with a survivor advocate, so someone who has been sex trafficked themselves but has come through that restoration cycle and is able to, with their experience, mentor that person and say, wow. hey, I know what you've been through. I know this process is long and it's hard, but it's going to be worth it. Promise me, like, stay with me. I'm here with you. And just be that person. Mm. The rest of us could be 
to them. You know what I mean? Unless you've been in it to develop that trust factor and that sense of, okay, you know, maybe I can do this and just kind of try to restore that dignity a little bit at a time. And we feel like a survivor advocate is the best person to do that. So I wanted to have a place where they can go again to get those needs met, to have that survivor advocate but also to have a team working on their behalf to identify the best aftercare service for their individual needs. Mm -hmm. Because like what we were seeing when we would have a search and rescue for an individual here in our area or someone would come to the task force, we were just trying to find the closest available bed and that's where they would get shipped to, but it's not always the right environment for them. By proximity, it's not the perfect match. Exactly. So our goal was let's create a network of aftercare services where we develop relationships with them. We know what they're requirements are, what they offer. And then what we can do is once we know what the survivor's needs are and not by a method of interrogating them to the nth degree, but by asking the right intentional questions the right way to get the most information from them, a few questions as possible, like let's develop some options for them to present back to them and then let them make the decision on where they want to go. Because again, these girls have, and I say girls, girls, men, boys have not made a decision for themselves as far as their life or their future and forever. And so we want to slowly start giving that back to them. We were like, three to five years, like, that's our goal. We'll do that. So we want to meet the immediate needs, bridge the gap, and provide this facility. So when you say three to five years, that was starting in 2020. So that's... That's something that is continuing to grow with every step of the evolvement of the organization. Right. But then like a month after saying that, like God gave us a facility. So <laughs> we're like, now what? That kind of fast tracked everything oh because gosh. it's like, this was an idea based off okay. of the need that we assessed from research and from this experience we had in 2020. But like, we don't know what to do Mm -hmm. so like again god just the right connections the right people the right time you know connect and your obedience by the way yeah well yeah the team's obedience seriously i mean it's both of all in it's been all in for everyone and that's been like so awesome to see god bless i'll say that yeah you know we just realized that in order to do this we need partners because none of us are healthcare experts so like we need to now include that avenue and Mm -hmm. so god gave us a relationship with a a very well-known health care provider who is helping us create this plan. And God's given us relationships with law enforcement mm-hmm. and with search and rescue teams to help us create a plan on once they're rescued, okay, what's our activation plan? How do we activate the facility? Who goes? How many staff do we need? All of that. So we're still in that process of trying to figure out the operation plan, but we're hoping now that we know of the facility and where it's going to be and who our partners are, yeah. that we'll be operational by April. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Yeah, a total God thing. To think that it happened so quickly. I mean, you had to feel so unsure sitting in that church meeting. What's next? And then like rapidly like you have like a logo and a website and a new support group around you like a new world right a whole new world through this whole experience of even just being here since our last interview and meeting and these great connections like Sarah and just see how it's so evident in this community how there's there's people that are really striving for change Mm -hmm. and the thing I love about Nisi and the thing I kept thinking about was just how the community aspect Mm -hmm. is what attracts me so much to their nonprofit. Because there's so many people now that are really trying to be more aware yeah. of, of this issue. And that that's really great. There's not a lot of nonprofits that really strive to involve everyone with where they are mm-hmm. and how they can give back. It doesn't come across as a requirement or that you know, you need to be able to um, provide financially, but to be able to use your own skill sets, no matter where you're at, Mm -hmm. to be able to give back, because everyone wants to fight this fight. And when they are made aware, there's not one person I've met that doesn't want to be involved. But the number one, like backup follow up to that is how do I and so many people get overwhelmed with the idea of like, well, I don't have anything to contribute. That's the opposite. We have so many ways that you can get involved that we need we have needs for and immediate needs for that people can get involved with. And you've always carried that spirit. Like, since I've met you, you always have expanded your wing of justice, so to speak. (laughs) Um, My question to you, because I also want to kind of share how you both connected, but Kelsey, like, where did that begin with you? Like, why was human trafficking put on your radar? Well, human trafficking was put on my radar here when I first moved. I got Mm -hmm. involved through Liberty, um, realizing just kind of how evident. I was looking for a place to get involved. I really... 
enjoy just being involved in the community and just finding a purpose to give back and a way to give back beyond like what is in my my circumference around me. Yeah. And so I had found myself in a place working with some nonprofits, but ideally it was always kind of in a lane of substance use disorders and recovery clinic. I have a big passion for that too, but really just was kind of naive to the realities of human trafficking, really just kind of thought it was like the movie Taken, very van, read mm-hmm. at night, you yeah. know, that kind of thing, or it just happens in other countries, not here. Like coming here and realizing some statistics really kind of threw me, really helped me to kind of reevaluate how I want to get back and it was like Sarah said you can't turn a cheek like once you know yeah. you you know and it was one of those moments that kind of was like oh my gosh and having three boys and providing you know a life for them to see some of these realities I realized there was a huge scope of the world that I just hadn't allowed myself to see it's been almost addicting to want to, to give back and yeah. help people just understand what's going on. And so that's my mission. Addicting to give back. I love that. <laughs> it's true though, because the Bible talks about like when you refresh others, you're, you'll be refreshed too. And using like the gifts that God put in your life. I'm sure like when you started off as a stylist, you'd never think that this could be something that, you know, years. like that would <laughs> Well, even being a hairstylist yeah. was not what I had in mind. Yeah. I, I never wanted and I never thought I'd be a hairstylist. Yeah. I wanted to be a chef. I wanted to be like Gordon Ramsay I want to eat all day long and like, you know, have fancy tasting spoons like that. Mm. That was my driving force. But um, I realized the older I've gotten and the more mature my faith has gotten that God, my sole way to give back is through communication and being an influence and not influence how we want to be in social media influencer, but how God has helped me to shape not only the way I communicate with people, but because there's a purpose behind that communication, there's a purpose behind that connection. And I don't always see that purpose. I'm not always meant to see that purpose but it's happened over and over and over and over again in my life that I know that every time I meet someone I know that there's something with that relationship and I I don't have a way to identify that at the Mm -hmm. time it's amazing how just exactly that gift that God's given me has created the avenues and these lanes and these doors he's opened and that's how Sarah and I met well our friends know by now that a fashion show is coming like promote a hype did everything (laughs) so they know that you two have formed a fashion for more walk me through like how you connected and then also tell me what your working relationship kind of looks like so we connected through a mutual friend we were actually at a fundraiser for a a partner aftercare service organization that we partner with and so I was enamored with Kelsey and just her spirit right and And then she said she did hair like magnetic (laughs) magnetic and then she said she did hair and I was like okay we're gonna be best friends so honestly like after we met and became connected and I needed a hairstylist and I loved the time that I had spent with her and getting to know her and so I asked her to do my hair and just those hours and hours and hours yes. <laughs> have very long hair. So, <laughs> I was um, going to say it looks lovely. <laughs> you know, she's a great stylist. I recommend her. You know, after Nisi kind of was happening and I was sharing a little bit with Kelsey, she was like, you know, I have this really good idea for a fundraiser and I want to tell you about something that I did in Michigan and was a huge benefit to an organization. And so that's kind of how Fashion for More got started. But I'll let her kind of go from there because <laughs> I want her to tell so much more than that. I'm just I like watching my work because I really want you to talk more about Aww. what's coming. But I want to say this. Nisi's not like a Sarah thing at all. Mm-hmm. I want Nisi to be about empowering people to use their skill sets and their talents and their resources to help victims, whatever that looks like. Yeah. And so whether that's talking to people in a in a chair at your hair salon or, mm-hmm. you know, talking to someone while you're giving them a facial or, you know, you're driving them in an Uber or whatever. Yes. Like, I want people yeah. to use what they have to make an impact in this area. Absolutely. And Kelsey has kind of been that person that's lit that fire for me because yeah. she not only sparked that, that this isn't about one person or one organization or one, like, avenue. This is about everyone mm-hmm. literally joining hands and, like, mm-hmm. saving 40 million people. I'll let you go from there. Yeah, Words sorry. from a good leader, though. That's the kind of leader we want to, yeah. <laughs> like, be under. It's so easy to get behind. <laughs> uh-huh. She's incredible at encouraging others and just really kind of lighting that fire for me. I was really searching for something to give back and 
I kept trying and it just seemed like there was doors shutting and was thinking, oh, like, you know, God, like, what is, what do you want me to do? Maybe I'll just take a break. Maybe I'm putting too much on my plate. But really, I realize now God was shutting doors for a reason Mm. because he was waiting for this opportunity to happen. Yes. It was funny because when I had mentioned the fashion show to Sarah that I had done in Michigan. And this is y'all casually sitting while she's doing her hair. hair. Okay. All right. I want to paint the scene. (laughs) And we're we're really getting to know each other uh, while I'm doing her hair. And I'd done her hair a couple times and, you know, we spoke, but that's a moment where I can really kind of build that relationship with someone because it's an intimate, you know, setting. Yeah. And it's something about when you do someone's hair, they just kind of like melt, you know, and we just, you know, <laughs> yes. really started yeah. to have like these fluid conversations. When I had mentioned the fashion show I did in Michigan, which was successful, I honestly had not mentioned it, it with an agenda to do one here, but she kind of immediately sparked up and like sat up and was like, oh my gosh, we have to do this. And she's like, well, you do it. And I'm like, well, I need to think about it. But really, it didn't take much thought. Like, it was like, okay. The only thing that was keeping me back here was just in Michigan, I had a lot more connections. And so it was a little bit easier. We had lived there a long time. I was involved with some other nonprofits. Here, I I didn't know very many people other than my clients. But Sarah, that's where she stepped in. And we've got this awesome team. And we've been meeting for weeks now. And it just... There hasn't been one upset, really, that has caused a disruption in the planning. God has just kind of opened these doors and the floodgates have just kind of taken over. So once we decided to that this was going to be our big fundraiser for this year, we kind of just sat down and started meeting and coming up with ideas. And because it's all about bridging that gap, bringing in community members. It was one connection led to another connection. And then this great team of women, it it blossomed to these other community members and business owners wanting to get involved, just like myself. We really haven't had any no's at all. And we've got some fantastic business owners in town that are going to be involved several boutiques three different boutiques actually rainy's closet indigo Dunham oh, yeah, Bar, yeah. And boutique downtown as well as inner beauty they're all going to have a place in the fashion show which is gonna be really exciting Love that. so we're gonna have several dance numbers as well as some informative platforms we're yeah still designing some of the layout but i'm really excited i've never attended a fashion show so this me is either. a first for me so yeah. i am so excited there's a lot of new dynamics it's kind of a new for me to intertwining COVID and restrictions and guidelines and just people's, you know, anxiety from last year and just wanting yeah. health to be a number one priority is, is interesting to navigate around, but um, it's going to be an awesome show and we've got so many people involved and invested already and things are just kind of going really easy and almost too easy, it seems like, mm. um, but we just know that that's because God's behind yeah. every step of the way and it's just been really amazing to be around such encouraging women especially after a year that was really depressing and hard for everyone and to be able to meet weekly with women that are not only on a mission for change but also godly women we can pray together and be comfortable with each other and just kind of uplift one another i have never seen a fashion show be hosted in the past five years that i've lived here so if you want to attend like i feel like it's kind of like groundbreaking honestly yeah yeah, don't wouldn't would that be the right word to say i feel like it is yes there has been some some fashion shows that have happened but nothing like what nisi is pulling off with yeah like a mission for change something that we're hoping can happen annually and something that we can empower the community to be involved Mm -hmm. with to where, you know, no matter what that looks like, there's a place for you to be involved. Um, Marcus Point has an incredible venue. Yes, yes, they do. I've attended several concerts there, so I know. Awesome runway. It's going to be really, really great. We are taking health into a factor. So we have medical students that are using intern hours from the college to help administer temperature checks and make sure people are wearing their masks. You know, we're trying to think about every which way that because of the sensitivity of Mm -hmm. the matter that people are also being safe you know mentally as well and emotionally so we've we've been thought of having a safe room for people if something or information might trigger someone that they can go and we've got therapists that have donated their time to be around in case someone needs you know an extra conversation we're really trying to not only think about just the funds that can come from Mm -hmm. this charitable event but also like the impact 
that people are going home with. Mm-hmm. And we really want it to be not only a conversation piece, but something that people can can feel that they've made a change and they were able to make a contribution for the betterment of the community. You've like thought a lot about she's this. This is amazing. <laughs> she's done a phenomenal job. Yeah. Aww. Well, all of Thank the information you. will be on my website, like in the show notes of this episode. So pause this right now. Get your tickets. Jump right back on. Continue yes. listening. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. I'm really, really excited and yeah. to help share it. I'm, I'm really sure excited. I'm really honored too, honestly. Oh, thank you. I mean, I'm excited. We were just talking about some really creative ways to get involved if you are not even in Pensacola. So really, okay, that is awesome to hear. Yeah, we have people we, listening all over. We want our listeners to be yeah. involved, and we want you know it's a new thing after COVID and 2020, where um, even like you know movie platforms like Netflix, we have watch parties now. So yes. we would love for people to engage mm-hmm. and watch parties, have fun together, get the popcorn out, dress up at home. Mm-hmm. You know, if you aren't comfortable with COVID or even if you're not even in the area, it's where you can buy a discounted ticket to watch online um, or you can attend in person as well. Mm -hmm. But we want that to be something that people feel like no matter where they are, they can be involved and they can contribute to Nisi. Oh, I'm already planning my outfit. Y'all don't even know. I'm I'm so excited. (laughs) Any event to like dress up, which feels like such a rarity outside of COVID. Yes. (laughs) I'm like, I always want to be the person who gets invited to the snazzy parties yes. so I'm really excited about I it. I think people are are you're either really desperate for an event after last year mm-hmm. to go to hungry yeah. yeah and I'm kind of falling in that bracket I can't wait to kind of find myself feeling you know just excited about being out with yeah. other people Hey friends, jumping in here because you just heard the news about the fashion show, Fashion for More. I am so excited to be sharing this with you through the podcast. What an honor for me to be able to carry this news out into the community. And I would love for you to be a part of this event that matters. Join Sarah, Kelsey, myself, and many more of our friends for a fun night of music, dance, fashion, empowering awareness, options for attending online or in person are available. Fashion for More is being held May 8th at Marcus Point Baptist Church. You can grab your tickets online using the link in the show notes. I'm beyond excited about this event and I cannot wait to see you there. Fashion for More, May 8th, Marcus Point Baptist Church, hosted by The Nisi Project. Can we share some big news, too, with you? Yes. Yes, I can't wait to share. You know, okay, so also, when I first talked to Kelsey about this, the first thing I said was, are you starting a television show? I oh had no God. idea, like, I what... I was so excited when she I, said that. I had no idea what the big news was, but this is equally as exciting. So, yes. tell... Um, so I'm really excited. I'm so commanding. Do tell. I will. <laughs> like piggybacking off of just how Sarah's been really encouraging and how Nisi just kind of backs business owners. And I do have the ability to have my own business, but you don't have to have a business to be able to give back. Right. But because I do have that platform and us communicating some huge statistics that I heard that really kind of shocked me being in the industry that I'm in um, was that such a large percentage of, I believe it's 91% of trafficked victims visit at the salon and spa industry within that grooming process. So just for everyone to see an overview, 40 million people, right? Mm -hmm. And then 91 of them will eventually go to a salon. So think of the amount of like numbers. Like that is when you put it like that and think about it it's it's shocking it hurts my stomach to know it's shocking because in the salon and spa industry it's such a it's a it's a pooled industry that we all as americans or civilians put in a bracket of safety right and even as a hairstylist i find myself finding like that's where I want to put my salon as well in this bracket of safety people are coming in I'm keeping them safe it's an easy like avenue we're doing hair we're doing nails we're doing facials like Mm. what's unsafe about that and the biggest shock to me was that most likely as safe as I keep my space most likely there's been someone 
that has passed through my doors or been in my chair that has either been trafficked or was currently being trafficked or maybe even being groomed by a trafficker. And so that I couldn't sleep. I take the relationships that I form so seriously and the connections that I make that knowing that there's possibly somebody walking out there that I wasn't, I didn't have a resource for or I wasn't able to spot devastated me. And then I started conversating with other stylists, asking them the same questions. Did you know that this is happening? Did you know? Mm -hmm. So many were like, no, no, no. Like, how, like, is that possible? And I'm just like, it is. And it's happening right now. There's something we need to do. It led me to doing some research on other hairstylists in the country that are possibly like doing some things that I didn't know at the time what that was. Who knows about what's going on in our industry? Like, why is there somebody out there that's doing something? And it led me to this awesome woman named Haley Garber. Um, She's been interviewed by um, Behind the Chair, Modern Salon, and she's a stylist just like me. Mm -hmm. She's based out of South Carolina, and I connected with her through a very God-ordained moment as well, like almost immediately became instant friends. We have personal phone numbers now, and she has done a lot of campaigning for some other nonprofits in the salon and spa industry and has gained a lot of traction for her informative initiatives. And so I wanted to pick her brain and it led me to sparking the idea of coming up with Beyond Beauty, which is Mm. my big surprise. Um, And so it's an informative initiative because every nonprofit and every mission, you know, you need funds. So there's an avenue for that from Nisi to get funding. But this is an, an, an avenue to inform. Yeah. Because that's my biggest mission. I want people to know what is going on. And more importantly, stylists, salon owners, industry workers like nail techs or... Um, estheticians, lash techs, tanning bed salon owners. Um, these are the avenues where these women or these men are being taken to use as bribery against them mm-hmm. as well. And so I want my peers to know how they can inform someone and how they can spot if a victim is, might possibly be in their chair and then to also safely offer resources to get them help. I don't know exactly right now what that looks like for Beyond Beauty and we're still kind of discussing what that means, but I know it's, I want it to be like ADT. I want to go in and give information and give a class, a free informative training, and then they get a clean that they can put on their door, like yes. ADT, yeah. Beyond Beauty, that represents safety and security and in, informed individuals. Because I think it's our duty that we should be not only protecting our clients from the basics of what we see, but mm-hmm. also beyond that and protecting them when they leave our doors and our chair. Go back to like when you were moved into your new house and you had like the cabinets or what was the piece of furniture? It was like a china cabinet and... And a dining room table. I feel like we could overthink everything like, oh, I'm supposed to do this or like, you know, I am the type of person that sometimes I like, I pray about like, even like, God, like what color shirt could I wear? You know, like I just am, I like to be detailed and prepared. So here what I'm not saying is that don't worry yourself. But man, like when you think about the China cabinet that led you to put it on Facebook marketplace, you have this interaction with JoLynn. That all blooms. And then Kelsey, you come in. This like conversation could change like thousands How can you not see God is so in the details? Mm -hmm. Like, he uses everything. Like, China cabinet included. That, to me, is, like, amazing. Like, I love love God's stories (laughs) like this. Honestly, like, favored. And I don't say favored as in, like, God's favorite or, like, but just that, like, God would take a passion in someone, Mm -hmm. like Kelsey or, like, myself or, like, the other women on our team and just say, okay, that is something that can change people's lives and I put you on this planet yeah to love God and to love people yeah and that fulfills that mission so I'm gonna bless that and I'm gonna provide opportunities for that to be replicated to me that kind of favor is just so overwhelming it just humbles me to have that favor where God's willing to say I see this one passion Mm -hmm. in one person's heart that could make a difference if connected to this person so here's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna throw this piece of furniture in this house that they just bought and they're gonna think it's nothing but it's actually gonna change their lives right you know and where I'm gonna throw a red bag in the life of somebody who's homeless Mm -hmm. and then years down the road when she's moving her family of five into a new house and and starting a new life and she sees that bag and it recalls that experience she had and then she takes that red bag and she shares that story yeah and she creates the red bag project to where she can help empower women who have been in that same situation like our 
uh, awareness officer Jenna Barlow did. I mean, it's just, it's stories like that. It's just that favor that brings opportunities, that brings humility. I feel like that was a really long answer to your question. No, no, and honestly, like even ties into part of like my story. Like I always want to share this, these kind of stories specifically for still with you. Like it's fun to talk about fun things, but like, this is like the things that truly matter, you know? Mm -hmm. And my story is kind of similar to yours, Sarah. Like I knew the basics of like what human trafficking was but I didn't really know the depth of it you know the weight of it until college and then I got informed when I moved to Pensacola so like it was almost like the tear I remember thinking when I first felt the weight of it like it felt too big Mm -hmm. and I was just kind of like god like I see like the problem but I have zero idea like how to help I don't feel called to be a Sarah and a Kelsey like in this exact lane like this is what I'm doing you know but I I feel like God like heard my cry and since like through the podcast like I've had the opportunity to speak with like heroes like you all who are empowering these survivors so one of the things like I'm going into this year just like praising God for like the answered prayers I see that in all three of us at the tables that we both had a cry for like God we want to make a difference and then he sees it and he answers it it's like honestly like overwhelming like when you think about it and back to your point when we were talking about your podcast and we were talking about your passion for the one listener or for the oh, one yes. person. Yes, yes, yes. And I equate that so much to this calling and to honestly our mission and anybody that we've met with who says they want to partner with us. It, it's kind of become not a criteria, but like when I talk to people, if they mention their mission being about the one. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's even more of a God-ordained relationship and it's kind of like God's stamp of approval. Like, yes, yes. this is a this is the right direction. Yes, partner with it because it's happened so much uh, yeah. with the right people that we've seen fruit come from those partnerships. Yeah. And it's been like, even though there's so much gravity to this issue and there's so much weight, I know it's listed as the second fastest growing criminal industry, but like soon to be the first, I'm sure of it. And the definitely the most lucrative. To take that on is like impossible but we don't have to worry about Mm -hmm. solving that problem for 40 million we just have to worry about doing it for one person yeah Yeah. because that's what we're called by god to do like the big stuff like that's god's job and he's going to do that at some point Mm -hmm. whether that's by literally breaking the chains for 40 million people or coming back and rescuing them himself like it's going to happen Mm -hmm. we just have to help that one person he puts in our life yeah and you call us a hero but honestly no you are though Well, I appreciate that, but honestly, it's, like, I've seen so many times where, like, big things have happened from someone making just one simple choice, passing out a business card or a resource or, like, hearing about people's lives were changed. It wasn't because of some big event that someone did or because, like, someone created an initiative for mm-hmm. someone, but because someone made a decision to be a little more aware and to be a little more proactive. Mm-hmm. And that's really all it takes to like change a life or to like save someone's life. And that's really where my, my mission is because I want to empower people to know that they don't, they can be anywhere. They don't have to provide financially. They don't have to mm-hmm. have all the friends or the connections, but they are doing something. They're going one place every day, even if it's the grocery store and that's the only place they go. There's someone they can talk to there and help inform or, mm-hmm. or phone calls they can make. And all those are big needs. Question that might come up as people are saying is like, why Pensacola? And the fact is this happens in the United States. It happens like in probably every county in the United States, unfortunately, right? So Florida is currently ranked the third highest for trafficking in the United States. Mm. Um, There's a lot of factors for that. Um, You look at it, um, the I-10 corridor, which is literally a few miles from us. It's an import and export state for trades and goods and services. We've got international airports. We have international ports. Events that are held here, so like the Super Bowl, WrestleMania, Daytona 500. Anytime there's a big event, it's a great opportunity for traffickers to sneak in there and and sell humans for gratification. And then you also look at the fact that, I mean, the number one industry in Florida is tourism Mm -hmm. and hospitality because it's a vacation destination. So people come here, they have fun. I say that in quotation and they leave and they don't have to think about the repercussions for those people or if they're a victim versus a prostitute or anything like that. So Florida is number three. It's estimated that it's soon going to become number two. Pensacola, there's a huge need here. The trafficking that is seen here in the panhandle is more familiar trafficking. So here we have a very high um, addiction rate to opioids and you see parents, grandparents, uncles, aunts who have very strong addictions who 
the answer to that is to sell themselves or to sell a child mm. to be able to get those drugs in return. And I think it was um, the last statistics in 2018, it was 64 CSEC cases for the Department of Children and Family Services, and CSEC stands for the Commercial Sexual Exploitation of a Child. So it's, it's rampant here, but it's rampant everywhere. And, you know, like we said before, trafficking doesn't always yeah. look like being kidnapped and thrown in a white van and sold on the black market. A lot of these victims, they go to school, they go to church, they yeah. participate in youth group, they go shopping at the mall. You know, there's so many things that, we would think if we saw a victim of trafficking in a scenario during their time of being trafficking, we would never believe it. Things that we ask people to look out for is like, does this person suddenly become reserved? Do they have two phones? Are they constantly hanging out with their boyfriend or their girlfriend all the time? Are they suddenly getting their nails done and their hairs done and designer purses and clothes and they've never had anything like that before? Do they have their identification on them or does someone else control that for them? Do they have signs of physical, mental, or emotional abuse or neglect, malnourishment, those kinds of things. So even though you're not looking at someone in the Walmart parking lot throwing someone in the back of their van, be mindful of situations. I was at a Waffle House not too long ago with some friends late at night, just some moms that we just go to the Waffle House when we want at night because we can. It's so normal in the <laughs> South. Right? Like, no, everyone. It's just like but we were there and we there were three gentlemen probably in their 40s and if not a teenage girl a very young yeah. adult female and they were very empowering over her she was just kind of there and it's like training people what to do in those circumstances you obviously can't walk up and make the situation worse for them but what to do how to respond who to call and at least say what you saw so that maybe something can be done in regards to like those that kind of training like I would obviously like say like Kelsey like you're you will have a hand in that when it comes to salon owners and beauticians and that but also can friends just go to the website and get educated yeah. about those yeah. those topics so have, and how to how to move forward yeah so we have a spot the signs graphic um that we hand out at all of our events and um i don't believe it's on our new website but it will be soon it had to get rebranded but yeah we we do do training um jenna barlow does um some awareness training our organization because we are very focused on bridging the gap and providing this the short-term immediate care facility and replicating that template to be in hopefully used in every community in the country. That's kind of our primary focus. So when it comes to awareness training, we serve more as providing resources and connections to people who can provide that training. Okay. So what we recommend, if you're an industry in the state of Florida, we recommend going ahead and getting a certified trainer. There's 25 industries in the state of Florida that are required to have annual human trafficking training, which is awesome. Yes. Um, so you can go to um, the Florida Alliance again to end human trafficking, and they have all of those state certified approved trainings for businesses that okay. you and your employees can do to get that certification. We also recommend Class Kids and Call to Rescue with Brad Dennis. He's been doing human trafficking one-on-one training for 30 plus years. You can go to the Class Kids Foundation or Call to Rescue website, and we will have a page on our website where we'll have all of these links to different trainings, opportunities, and so forth, so that we can be that convener of resources for yeah. them, for people wanting to know more. But that's where I would start. If you're in Florida, firsthht.com has really good one-on-one training that you can get a certi- certification at the end of it if you're just an individual. You may not be a business or need to have a requirement to this girl, yeah. but if you just want to know more and want to have a, like a a little thing to show that you did it to have that validation which is always good for me I yep. always want that add it uh, to your resume HG. yeah Why absolutely not? I think businesses especially as this becomes a growing as I say a growing issue it is a growing issue but as, as far as the awareness component goes I think businesses are going to want to have people who already are aware yeah I think of like code Adam you know like yeah. what you like how yeah. you see the stickers for I, I when you mentioned ADT I immediately thought of like yeah. code Adam which is for a lost child Um, But I hope that it is as normalized as that. Small steps, but, like, huge direction. So cool to just sit with you guys and, like, to think of, like, the whole picture, but then also, like, the small details. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Do you all have anything else you want to share? If you're feeling called to get involved in any way, there's definitely a place for you. And just you need to ask the questions and then you get pointed in the right direction. You know, like we said, there are different layers to this. Not everybody's called to knock down a door and pull people out of a house or, you know, go on sting operations, get up in front of a group of thousands of people and and do a training. But everybody's called to do something. And so even if that's a random act of kindness towards someone or making a phone call and making a report, everybody can do something. And if you are encouraged to get involved in maybe a deeper level of this fight, 
please reach out to us. Like I said, the goal of NISI is just to empower people where they're at to use the resources they have. So we don't have a mold that you have to fit to work with us or to have our services. We want to help everybody. And that includes people who want to help people. So yeah, including a girl who bought a microphone at Best Buy. Let's talk. (laughs) (laughs) Including me. So yeah, no, thanks for the opportunity. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. You guys are awesome. And anytime like you have a space here, Kelsey, you know that Sarah, like I sincerely extend that to you any part of Nisi that is needed like I just I'm so excited and I'm thankful for like I'm always thankful for people who invest in our city Mm -hmm. and so like I really feel the weight of that when I look at both of you all and Mm -hmm. to think like wow when you showed up to the city like it looked different than when like you first arrived all right the final question I always ask everyone I'd love you to read I'd love you to answer too because things might have changed um so the podcast is called still with you and I would love to know this kind of a blank canvas question but where is God still with you and maybe Sarah you could go first if you want God is still with me so like this last year like even with all of these amazing things that are happening and I know we talked about like the weight of everything and like not worrying about that and worrying about the one and everything like my anxiety has been like insane like like just like the the attacks that Satan has put on myself or my family like has just been increasing I was talking to my pastor and my pastor's wife about it just trying to get some counseling and we quickly identified that like when you're in a fight that is so close to God's heart but so opposite of what Satan wants to accomplish Mm -hmm. in this world that he's going to do everything he can to like distract you discourage you tear you apart whatever he has to do and like we see in the bible like with Job like that doesn't always mean that he's going to like take your life but he may take other things he may like cause an impact and so like we've just kind of felt that so like our prayer every day is like my prayer specifically is like just protect my my husband and my son like you know that's all I care about even though that's increased and like I've maybe been restless like in my spirit and like in in my anxiety and so forth like God has been there and that he's helped me to like held my hand through it like you're gonna have to go through some of this like that's Mm -hmm. not an option like Satan does not want this to happen he has dominion over this world but like we win in the end let's Mm -hmm. keep going yes so like that to me is kind of how God's been God's still with me that like makes me want to cry because I like think about like your brave surrender and like to what he has for you and that means like anything including like warfare unfortunately man i just think anything that comes with that resistance just has yeah. to be the biggest breakthrough thank you wow kels i gotta follow up after that um i honestly don't remember what i said the last time but you know the first thing that came to mind is just again like kind of piggybacking that last year has so much to do with how i kind of view life now i think from now on everything's gonna piggyback well after covid or because mm-hmm. of covid yeah. you know yeah. so many good things happened because of last year but throughout every week for the last year God's just still reminding me that he's there he's here he's ever so present our culture and like life can cloud so Mm -hmm. much and make you feel so down and that that where is he and so lonely and after last year and all these dynamics but there's been so many events that you just can't can't turn an eye to a blind eye to and it was all him and only him that was just still reminding me like how's just got you I'm so proud of you for not giving up and it's tough she's a warrior it was Really? really tough last year I think up for a lot of people and you know being able to be more transparent about well and can we also too. just not to like interject myself on your answer oh, but no. like Kelsey's a military wife yeah and like I personally like everything else aside in our relationship have just had so much admiration for how she handles herself and her family and her boys and with such strength yeah. confidence and I know like there's fears in that and stuff and like I not being a military wife can't empathize but like mm-hmm. I just have so much respect for the amount of strength you as a wife and a mom and as a community leader Thank like you. show every day Aww. despite like I know what I know is going on inside yeah like, emotionally yeah, it's definitely like, been tough I mean and Coley's really see it firsthand like through the first interview and just kind of God's been so purposeful yeah. from the moment we yeah. got into Pensacola and it's almost seemed like everything was against us coming yeah. here everything in our life was just this is not going to be a place for you but God had other plans for me and for so many people and coming here and just making all these connections that's really where my purpose was 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 you and Nisi and yeah um you know just these connections and these relationships and those those are the footprints that we leave behind really yeah I just am so honored like thank you so much for just thank like you. sharing I know we could probably talk like all day I know yeah. I need another coffee okay. yeah <laughs>
God is so good and is providing avenues for survivors, his children, to find complete rest and restoration in him. The Nisi Project is humbled and honored to serve God in this capacity of meeting people right where they're at and loving them like Jesus taught us to love. If you would like to know more about this program or to partner with Sarah, Kelsey, and the amazing team that makes up the Nisi Project, feel free to reach out to them at this address team at thenisiproject.org. They would love to connect with you and partner with you in using your gifts the way God designed you to further this cause of helping bridge the gap between rescue and restoration. Whether you are outside of the Pensacola area or not, please check out thenisiproject.org. Attend Fashion for More online. I'm going to be there. So many of our friends will be there. It's going to be so much fun. Outside of the event, if you do need to reach me, you can find me online coleybrowning.com my handle on social media is the same Coley Browning K-O-H-L-I-E if there's anything I can do to help encourage you questions about podcasting serving finding you a local church I just want to be your go-to girl to help the music that you're listening to is from our amazing friend Gabrielle Grace will be alright from her latest EP if you would like to connect with her you can find all of her music on all streaming platforms or visit her website gabriellegracemusic.net We are so grateful for her. She is an outstanding friend. Thank you so much for taking a moment out of your week to listen. Let's go out into the world just like Sarah and Kelsey are doing and be bold, be brave, be you, and remember that he is still with you.